Well, you know what I think. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to deny that. I do want everyone to feel comfortable, and that's why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Please do not go religious. Somebody's going to hell over there. He better not. Even the devil will speak the truth for, for his own purposes. This is war. Accept it. Back to Jerusalem podcast. Yeah, I'm back, and I'm armed with righteousness. With your host, Eugene Bach. He just seems like he's got it all figured out. He's a righteous dude. Yep. Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach and I am coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of Hong Kong. But today I'm going back to a, an old friend that we've done on, uh, we, we've had him on the podcast before. His name is uh, David Johannes, uh, Johannes. Um, uh, I usually, because it sounds so Swedish, I usually say yo instead of Joe. But um, anyway, David has uh, an amazing testimony that I just want to share with you uh, from what he's been doing inside of China, and I'm going to let him talk about that. Hey, David, are you there? I am. Hey, bro. Good to have you back on the Back to Jerusalem podcast. How are you doing? Good. I'm doing good. Uh, take a inhale, a deep breath, uh, fresh air, and exhale the exhilaration of being back on the Back to Jerusalem podcast. Here we are. <laughs> <laughs> take it easy. It, it can be overwhelming for some. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I've uh, been taking slow breaths. <laughs> Good. Hey, uh, so right now you are sitting in your office. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. Uh, my soundproofed office today looks like my vehicle parked in uh, northern Chiang Mai, uh, Thailand right now. So you're sitting inside your car doing this podcast. That, that's basic. I'm coming to you somewhere live <laughs> on play from Thailand. <laughs> that's how we roll, baby. Hey, uh, for those that are not familiar with you, maybe they're just joining this podcast, uh, could you just give a little bit of introduction uh, about yourself and what you've been doing? Would love to, yes. Uh, well, um, it's a long story, but I'll give you the condensed version. Uh, for nearly the last 20 years of my life, I've been living and working and ministering in China, uh, specifically among unreached people groups. My wife and I founded an organization called Within Reach Global, and we have about 35 missionaries now, Chinese and, and uh, international, who are going to some of the most reached, rural, uh, unengaged places on the planet. Uh, and we're doing everything from orphan care, drug rehabilitation, specifically church planting, discipleship, and evangelism in China. And uh, so, yeah, that's me in a nutshell. Well, you know, I was, um, I was, I, I'm friends with you on Facebook, so I saw that you had this. Um... You had this amazing photo that caught my attention right away because I did live in Yunnan province. Uh, I have been working among minorities. In fact, this year we are doing our largest outreach that we've ever done in the 10 most western regions of China, focused on 10 different languages of the minority group. And one of the minority groups that we have actually focused on is the Miao minority group. And so uh, when I saw this photo, it was this, this gorgeous photo of um, uh, people from a minority group. It almost looked like they were coming down a mountain. Uh, and then your, your caption and your Facebook uh, posting was something about them being baptized. Uh, they, that there were many of them that were coming to Christ. It looked like a large number of people. Can you tell me a little bit about that? I, I understand that there may be some security issues, so just share what you are uh, comfortable with. Yeah, I would love to. Uh, it is a beautiful, incredible photo. You're right. There are all these Miao minority uh, tribal people 
most of them dressed in their ethnic uh, a, a costume or uh, dress, and they're walking down this this forested area. My caption was "Hundreds attend massive public baptism in hidden forest landscape," and uh, we're we're seeing this huge breakthrough. Now the Miao have had a Christian background, but recently there's been and through the tumultuous events of the Cultural Revolution and many of other China's other. Uh, instances throughout recent history the church has basically died in many areas suddenly the holy spirit's touching hearts we have people coming getting baptized getting saved in the tens fifties even up to 200 there was just recently uh let's see when was that a couple months ago 200 people were baptized and no one shared the gospel with them it was just the holy spirit bringing people to himself Wow, that is that is amazing. Hey, somebody's honking at your office. Uh, yeah, I know. Somebody just drove by, but <laughs> disgruntled, I think. So, so uh, the 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 people that came to Christ and were baptized, it was the Holy Spirit. That do, do you know the story behind that? Well, we have one of our six outreach centers uh, in south southwest China. One of them we call Orphan Home Outreach Center, although we need to change the name because it started with about 150 orphan children who we began to uh, care for and take care of. Suddenly, that began to transform community, and so it's touching many, many other lives as well. Our local missionary, who is manning, in this case, womaning, <laughs> the outreach center, uh, just traveled to this region. Now, this is just this is just like three weeks ago, and... She has been receiving these reports, and she was there. She's the one who took the photo. And uh, the what basically happened is people just started coming down from the mountains and heard that there was a Christian presence, heard that there was a Chinese missionary there. They began to hear more about the gospel, and then they just began weeping and coming to the Lord. And on one day, 200 people were baptized in this hidden forested landscape. Okay, so so these these um, meow minority people, without getting a Facebook notification or a Snapchat photo, uh, without getting an email with a link to a website to tell them where to go, without having a crusade, uh, they just started to come down this mountain because they heard someone was sharing the gospel there. Yeah, the, the social media platforms are not working quite as well as probably uh, most listeners would know them. <laughs> but, uh, you know, information travels fast in these rural areas where not a lot has changed over history. And, and it's boring and mundane. And so when there's something new and either negative or positive, word travels fast. They heard that there was some sort of Christian activity or, and it sparked some things in perhaps mostly the older folks who have a history or a slight understanding of, of, of Jesus, most younger generation do not. And uh, so they heard that there was a Christian missionary, and that's how they began. A few of them began to get saved, and then word spread. And really, the Holy Spirit, I mean, our Chinese missionary told us in Chinese, uh, this is the Holy Spirit working. We did so little, we were just at the right place at the right time. 
amazing. Uh, one of the things that I think that this that that is really exciting about this is that this is not a Western funded project with a big name behind it. Uh, the, meaning that there's not some Western missionary down there, you know, sharing uh, and and taking photos. You just happen to have photos because you had one of your team members that was on the ground uh, and was able to. A witness this take place that's right that's right and what i love about it you know we have this organization this ministry is called within reach global a funny fact of all 25 of our local chinese missionaries not one of them has ever heard the name within reach global <laughs> we call ourselves by a different name in chinese wow so they know us as the trailblazing team kai the trailblazing team in china so i love how you touched it just perfectly it's this indigenous local-led movement that's inspired by the Holy Spirit's working and outworkings. Now, what area was this? For those that are familiar with um, with the revivals that are taking in China, taking place in China, for the most part, we're talking about Eastern China. Now, was this in Eastern China, or was this in a in another area, a province of of China? This was another province. I can mention the province. It's Yunnan province, which is the southwestern tip. And if you're talking about condensed density of unreached people groups, you know, China has, uh, some would say, Paul Hathaway wrote in Operation China, there's over 460 people groups, ethnic tribes in China. Uh, 290 of them are all in Yunnan province. Most of them are unreached. So this is an area that is not privy to receiving the gospel. I remember F. A. Carl F. H. Henry says this, the gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. And for most of these tribes, the gospel has not ever got there. And so they don't know the good news. But this area, yes, though it's unreached, is suddenly seeing this spark of revival, and it's really exciting. Now, for those that are not familiar with China, they're not familiar with Yunnan province, what does it mean to be minority? I mean, if you're a minority in America, then, you know, you would be somebody that has uh, maybe a, an ethnic background from Africa, maybe a background from um, a, a Spanish nation or a Spanish-speaking nation. Maybe you are a minority in the way that you are an Asian-American. Um, what does it mean to be – I mean, if they're a minority, does it, does it – mean that you know they speak the same language they have the same culture they just have a different skin color different background what does it mean to be a minority uh in china yeah well they're they're not receiving the privileges that uh many who would be considered in a minority bracket would receive in our nation as well um you know there's the majority han chinese when you think of chinese people there's the majority of them are han chinese well all these different people, you could consider them in the past history before borders were created as nationless peoples. They have their own language, their own customs, their own dress, their own history. Uh, they're completely separate, distinct people groups, though they live within the borders of China. Oftentimes, they're very much uh, looked down upon. They are trivialized. They do not have the opportunities for study, therefore a future. And poverty, uh, drug addiction, sex trafficking are all the outworkings of this life of penury and struggle and trying to find their place. So they are, I think, they're like these gems. They're like these beautiful facets of God. When you talk about Re Revelation 7, 9, right, 
every nation, tongue, tribe, and people uh, standing before the throne. These are the people that represent the different beautiful, glorious facets of God. Uh, so there's amazing things about their ethnic uh, culture. And yet they're so looked down upon simply because of their background or education and um, civility. Now, um, in your article, in your blog that you wrote, you, you have called the, the Miao minority people Hmong people. Why, why is there two different names? Well, we in the States uh, generally call them the Hmong people because there is a big influx, specifically in, the, I think it was the 60s and 70s, who uh, immigrated to America. So uh, the, the general Southeast Asian name for the Miao people is Hmong, H-M-O-N-G. We call them in China the Miao. However, there are also all different branches of the Miao with their own language and customs and culture. You have the white Miao, the black Miao, the flower Miao, the water Miao. And so you see the diversity of all these people. But yeah, we would call them the Hmong. Uh, in China, we say Miao, same people. And and how closely related is their, re their language to the Chinese Han language? Uh, there's little to no similarities i mean as changes happen down the road yeah we'll we'll substitute the word dianao or computer <laughs> in both languages but generally there are no similarities it is a completely different language they don't speak chinese although they're bilingual growing up they speak their local dialect or miao as well as Mandarin Chinese, or bad Mandarin Chinese in this case. <laughs> so you could say that the languages are about as different as Italian and Russian. Sure, yes. Yeah. Because, I mean, a lot of people, when they think of Chinese, uh, you know, they, they have a very specific image in their mind. You know, they have this Jackie Chan, this Bruce Lee idea. When they think of the Chinese language, they think everybody is speaking it. Um, and, uh, and of course, that is the, the educational language of, uh, of China. But in the areas that you're working in, in the areas that you've seen these revivals take place in, not all of those individuals have had a chance to go through education, which means that they still speak their mother tongue with little or no um, uh, ability to communicate in the, the main trade language of the Chinese. You're absolutely right. And you know what it inspires me to say? I have to say this. We need to change our perception about China. It is the 21st century, and if you're in business or missions or whatever field you are, it is time to understand China and take the moment and kind of dig deeper beyond just the preface and facade of what we think is China. And here's the reason. God is passionately in love with all these ethnic peoples, the Chinese people, and and they need an opportunity to see the powerful message of the gospel. And if that's going to take place, then we need to be able to stand behind local-led missions or support uh, our churches going out to reach them. It's time that we understand God's heart for China, the way that he sees it, and try to see a bigger, better picture and not just this version from the distant past. China is a very drastically different pace, a place than it was 10, 20, 30 years ago. 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of people have seen that, especially those that are, you know, adventurous enough to travel to some of the more western regions of China. I'm going to change gears just for a second, just out of a, a point of personal interest, has nothing to do with what we're talking about per se. But um, have you ever been to the Tiger Leaping Gorge uh, in in Lijiang? Yes, I. Yeah, that's that's kind of a staple. I mean, I I, I knew I, I've never asked you that question, but I kind of knew before I asked whether you've been there or not. Could the reason the reason why I'm asking, and you may have heard about this, you may not have heard about this. There is news that has just come out. I'm doing another podcast about a guy by the name of David Snedden. And David Snedden in 2004 went missing. Um, is is an American uh, from uh, Brigham Young University. He was a Mormon missionary in in South Korea, and he went missing at the um, Tiger Leaping Gorge. and uh, And a lot of people had felt that uh, you know he he fell and he died and was washed away by the river. And um, it turns out that he was actually kidnapped by North Koreans and forced to teach English for the last 12 years, um, which is how most countries get their English teachers. Uh, so David Snedden, uh, he was hiking around the uh, Tiger Leaping Gorge. Did you ever go hiking in that area? Yeah, a number of times. You got the Shangri-La, you got Lijiang, Jade Dragon Snow Mountain. And uh, so it's exciting. I'm actually looking at the article right now. As you mentioned it, I'm seeing this whole article right now. Pretty incredible. Yeah, it, it is. And uh, and when I was in that area hiking around that region, I never thought, you know, and, and, and I'm an okay, like I've done a lot of treks. You know, I do a lot of hiking. It's kind of one of my fam- favorite pastimes. But I never, I thought it, the area was absolutely gorgeous, but I never thought even one time this is dangerous, that I could slip off the side of this mountain somewhere and, and, and die and, and flow into the river. And, um, and, and so when I heard that he had died, in that way, or that's what the Chinese government and the American embassy had claimed. I thought, wow, that sounds that sounds a little fishy. But then I started reading some of the um, comments on the Tiger Leaping Gorge, uh, and a lot of people said they felt scared hiking along that trail. And did you ever feel scared hiking along the the, the trails of uh, around the Tiger Leaping Gorge, like up towards Shangri-La or or wherever you went? No. Um... No, I mean, it was uh, exciting and fun, and these were my younger days in China, too, but no. Uh, but it's incredible how sometimes often the the most exhilarating, exciting adventures that we have can suddenly become the mundane, <laughs> and you it, it becomes so normal. So for you, you mentioned oh, I was never scared, and it, well, you, we are doing something, daring something, dreaming something, and... Uh, so, but I would never think that you could be kidnapped by North Koreans in the very southwestern tip of China. <laughs> yeah, especially, I mean, I mean, we have heard kidnappings. We, we know of kidnappings that take place in the northeast, but not in the southwest in, in Yunnan area. And this, this case has been absolutely fascinating. That's why we're doing kind of a, a, a podcast series uh, uh, on this situation. Uh, and so I just wanted to kind of uh, see if you have been around that area because we are talking about Yunnan province. And, and this is one of the more well-known regions of Yunnan province for tourists, especially Western trekkers. Now, 
you have been around Yunnan province as well as around China in general and done a lot of um, things that are rather adventurous. Uh, some of them are these these old missionary war stories that people dream about when they think about missionary life and stuff like that. You've taken some of those stories and put them into a book that you've just released. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Uh, thanks for the shout out. I would love to. Yeah, you're right. I just released my new book two days ago. Uh, it's called the, S- the Space Between Memories, Recollections from a 21st Century Missionary. You can find it on Amazon and Kindle, on paperback. You find it on iBooks, uh, the Apple Store. It'll soon be out in hardcover. Um, you know, you're right. These amazing, adventurous, outlandish stories that I've been somehow uh, part of, from whether it be trekking up the jade dragon snow mountain or the tiger leaping gorge and these names that evoke some sort of imagery of this bucolic setting in china that's mysterious and magical and it it is but suddenly it it becomes such normal life and kind of recollecting my thoughts and the nostalgia of it all was very both healing inspiring and i just pray that the book inspires people for um what God's doing in Southeast Asia and China specifically. So yes, it's called the space between memories. Yeah, which uh, which I have an issue with. You had you had this cool name that I just absolutely loved. I don't know if my endorsement made you change it or what. But you 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 in the beginning, like when you when you first told me about it, and and I and I you know, did the like the proofreading and and then um, uh, sent you over some some things that you probably won't use now because you got all these cool people endorsing your book. But uh, you called it the memories that I made up. What happened to that name? I know, I know. I love that title. And you know, when you retell a story, there's this fictitious undertone and you think to yourself, wait, is this real or is this fictitious? And it feels like the memories that you fashion or you make up, but because I pitched it to a bunch of people and they thought they mentioned things like uh, it was a bad hour with a shrink or a drunk guy in a bar. And it just seemed like a babbling moron. Uh, the title evokes such negative connotations. I was, alas, forced to change it. So, <laughs> however, if you guys buy the book, you could still see Mr. Eugene Bach's uh, endorsement and words right inside, like the first page. And uh, so, no, that's always going to be there for you. Had some, you had some pretty cool people endorsing it for you, um, Heidi Baker um, and some other names, uh, kind of you, you know, name dropping of individuals of uh, that are really well known uh, that endorse the book. So, uh, are do you have a working relationship with everybody that has endorsed the book, or just individuals that enjoyed the story uh, or enjoyed the stories, and uh, and then said, yeah, you know, I, I would love to endorse? How did that come about? It, it was really an honor. I, I did spend about a week of uh, quite personal time with Heidi Baker in Pemba, Mozambique, a couple months ago. So built that relationship and then asked her to write an endorsement. She was happy to do so, and I was really honored. Ron Luce of Teen Mania Ministries I've known for about 20 years, and we've been quite close. So he wrote a good endorsement. Mark Buchanan, The Rest of God, he's the author of Your God is Too Safe. Uh, and, and a number of others from China Source and uh, Bethany Global University. So, uh, you know, when other people 
and then, by the way, the most important, Mr. Eugene Buck, back to Jerusalem.com. Easy, easy. You're going to lose part of the audience there. They've listened to me long enough to know that that's not true. <laughs> well, <laughs> but you know, that's really what, what, what that is, what, what that is, the reason why I thought that that was so good is not just, you know, saying, well, these th- people think it's good. It's that you really have such an amazing ministry. You've touched so many lives, and there's been a lot of witnesses uh, to your uh, testimony and the way that God has used you in the unreached areas of the world, primarily China. And I think that that is, uh, is just an, is an amazing shout out for, you know, the things that you've done. Uh, that are recorded in this book and uh, and the things that you continue to do, which is the reason why I wanted to bring you on to the podcast today to talk about you know the lives that you 're touching in the minority areas of China with so many people coming to Christ, being baptized, and openly proclaiming the good news of jesus christ and that 's what i 'm excited for. If I could see uh, me kind of fade off into the sidelines and realize that this story continues. If I can empower other people to do greater things than I've ever dreamed of doing, I would love to see the story continue to be told. And not only 200 people baptized on one day among the Miao people, I want to see thousands and thousands. I want to inspire uh, inspire others to see, hey, God is interested in what is happening uh, uh, among these people who have never once had a chance to hear the gospel. So, yeah, I'm a small part of the big thing. I'm honored to put out the book, and hopefully it inspires others. But um, uh, I know that I'm a small piece of this massive, epic, redemptive puzzle that God is putting together. And if people want to get the book or they want to find out more information about uh, your website or they just want to be your Facebook friend so they can see the cool postings that uh, we've been talking about on this podcast, where do they go? Where do they go for the book? Where do they go for your musings? And where do they go you know, to be your Facebook friend? Okay. For those of you who want to be my friend. No, we'll start with the book. It's thespacebetweenmemories.com or you just type in the Space Between Memories to uh, Amazon. You'll find it, iBooks, and Barnes and Noble coming up soon here. Um, if you want to follow our ministry and my blog, go to davidjoannis.com. That's my name.com. It'll probably be in the show notes, at least my name. So just put a .com after that. Withinreachglobal.org is our ministry. And uh, you can search me on Facebook. Uh, look for my official page. You'll just like it and see all my posts. And uh, uh you could try to add me on Facebook and see if I'll accept you or not. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, man. I really appreciate you coming on. I know that you're busy. I know that you've been working hard to get this book out, and you've been hard, working hard to arrange all of the different things that you guys are doing inside of China. Um, yeah, we just want to bless your ministry, bless you, and we thank God that uh, we have the privilege to partner together with you guys. It is an honor. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. And I have to say, I'm so proud of what you guys are doing. Back to Jerusalem, passion, calling, and movement is just something that is transforming lives nationwide and worldwide. So, yeah, it's just a real honor. Thanks, Eugene. Bless you, bro. Take it easy. So that was our um, that was our good friend David uh, Johannes. If uh, if you want to get that book, I would highly recommend it. I mean, some of the stories uh, will definitely paint a very clear picture for you and what God is doing inside of China. You will also get a a, a, a first hand account on what it's like to be a missionary in the ten forty window. Now, every story is going to be different. Every person tells their own testimony. 
but David's is one that is special because he's been in China for so long. He started working in China already, I think, when he was like 16 years old, maybe when he was 15. I think he might have actually had his 16th birthday while in China delivering Bibles, secretly smuggling them across the border from Hong Kong into China. An amazing uh, story and testimony. Thank you guys so much for joining us for another Back to Jerusalem podcast. Again, I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of China. God bless you. Hello, I'm Eugene Bach, and I'm coming to you with a little bit of a Back to Jerusalem emergency. We need your help. For those of you that are able to help, if you are retired or you are a student or you are finding yourself right now with a vision to serve in missions, we need you. Today, Back to Jerusalem missionaries in China are training people that are going to the field between China and Jerusalem in the 1040 window. Many of those students are learning English as their second language, and if you speak English, we need your help. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably speak English. For those that are willing to make a six-month commitment or a one-semester commitment, we will provide housing and air tickets once you pass a very simple background check and sign a confidentiality agreement. The schools are underground house church schools, and they desperately need your partnership today. This is a offer that we are giving out, sending out for the very first time because we are in an emergency situation where we have missionaries that are ready to go. They just need help. We can arrange all of the logistics to get your visa, housing, and transportation if you send me an email at sinobach at gmail.com, S-I-N-O-B-A-C-H at gmail.com. Again, you can send me a message to my email at S-I-N-O-B-A-C-H at gmail.com. Thank you for praying about this, and thank you for partnering together with Back to Jerusalem. God bless.